Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast. It is Tuesday. Uh, I was going to say June. It is most definitely not June. September the 14th, and today we celebrate a feast day. It's an amazing feast day. Uh, The feast of the exaltation, what we used to call the triumph of the cross. And uh, my goodness, you know, we Catholics, we have a lot of odd feast days. We celebrate chairs, and, and we celebrate you know, churches, and we celebrate all kinds of things. This is not one of those crazy ones, brothers and sisters. Not that those are other crazy. They're good ones, too. But this is, this is a, boy, yeah, yeah. Let's just say, yeah. Listen, stay tuned, and we'll, and we'll get more as to why. Talk about a weird intro. Hey, welcome to Cup of Joe podcast. I'm glad you're listening, uh, and uh, we get a fantastic scripture today because it is a high feast day. Uh, We veer off of Luke chapter 7. We're going to go to John chapter 3 today. One of the most famous verses in all of Scripture. So John 3, verses 13 to 17. And I'll do my best anyway to tie together where this feast points us at least. Uh, I think I can can point at it, but I'm not going to capture it. I, I can guarantee you that. It's far bigger than me. So, my friends, let's listen to the Word of God as given to us through uh, the Evangelist John. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to Nicodemus, No one has gone up to heaven except the one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. My friends, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So you can see why. It's like, gosh, you got that gospel. You got John 3, 16 and 17 to to work with. But let's talk about this feast day. Can we do that? The exaltation or the triumph of the cross. Where do we begin? Let me me begin by saying this. and And I pointed to it. I alluded to it earlier. My friends, whatever I say, is not going to capture the depth and the breadth and the height and the length of this feast day. Because this, the mystery of God rests upon this feast day. Uh, it, is, it is amazing. And, and God is, is so far beyond me. So I'm going to scratch the surface by making a few points. And, uh, and I may not make the correct points or I may not make the points you wish I would have. And just know that if you had this microphone in hand, how wonderful that would be. But you, too, would only be scratching the surface. And, and others, too. And together, we, we just, each of us hold a, a piece of the mosaic, just a piece. You know, and it's not until we've, we've listened to so many or, or we, we step back and, and ultimately until we get to the kingdom where we see what this points to, what this wonderful feast, what it, what it all entails. So ultimately, my friends, we are exalting God's, what's the word? 
the juxtaposition, the irony, the, 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 the creativity of God. Uh, it's, it's so amazing. Okay, so Nicodemus comes to Jesus. Nicodemus is a member of the Sanhedrin, the, the ruling body in Jerusalem. He comes at night. Why? Because he doesn't want to be seen. He's afraid of the other people. He is a follower of Jesus, although a, a distant one, like Joseph of Arimathea, for fear of, when it says the Jews, it means the Jewish leaders, for fear of the others. So he comes at night. And he's a teacher of, of the law, and Jesus and he spar. It's wonderful. But Nicodemus is very vulnerable, and he's like, I don't get your teaching. He's like, I, I know you, you got something, but I'm not sure I get it. And so Jesus is really honest with him in, in John chapter 3. And he points back the first part of this gospel before we get to John 16 and 17, 3, 16 and 17, which are, you know, as what Martin Luther called the gospel in miniature. Um, but 13 through 15 are, are wonderful. So this is what it says. No one has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. What's he pointing to there? Well, he's pointing to the book of Numbers, right? And, and that was our first reading, had I read that reading today as well. But the, the Hebrew people were wandering in the desert, of, appropriately called the desert of sin. I'm not making that up. Can't make stuff like that up. Too good. They're wandering in the desert of sin for 40 years. You know that story. And they begin to doubt God. Well, what happens is these seraph serpents, these serpents, excuse me, come in and bite them, and it's killing the people. They're, they're incredibly venomous. So the people go to Moses and say, Moses, we sinned against God. What do we do? Uh, these serpents are, are attacking the camp and, and uh, making us ill. And so God tells Moses, uh, put a, a, a seraph serpent on a staff and raise it up. And everyone who is bitten, by looking upon it, will be healed. By looking upon it. That's what I want us to focus on. Brothers and sisters, what does that mean for us today? Again, scratching, scratching. It's all I'm doing. God came into the world as a saving act. We must remember and again, I'm, gosh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm pointing, I'm pointing. It's a finger pointing to the moon. God came in to save humanity. We know that. We, we talked about that last week, right? It's in a name. You're going to name him Jesus, which means God saves. And he's Emmanuel, which means God with us. The very act of the incarnation is a saving act that God will not stay distant, but God comes down and is present with us and to us by being on level ground, right? He is among us. He doesn't stay distant. So, so that is part of the saving act of God. The, 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 the way he lived his life, not fragmented, not segmented, uh, but, but pointing out and bringing in those who are on the, the fringes, bringing in those who are lonely and ostracized and feeling not seen by, by talking to them, by giving them dignity. That, brothers and sisters, is a saving act of God. Because we see, as I said before, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, that God does not want to remain distant from us but invites us all into that banquet, all into the table. That is part of the saving act of God. So how is the cross? So often we've heard it 
talked about that you know uh, God must have needed blood by by you know he's the, the innocent sacrifice uh, because we uh, you know are the guilty ones and he took our place and and therefore uh, this blood washes all of us all good and technical language and I'm not going to say no to that what I am going to say is we need to be careful when we tread on that language of what that makes God out to be. Because I don't think God, and, and I believe this sincerely, I don't think God in any way, shape, or form needed the blood of Christ for, our, for the saving action of us uh, to be healed. And that's why I point to this, to this book of Numbers. All who look on the cross, all who looked upon that stat, the seraph serpent, were healed from what was bitten. Okay, so again, remember, they're in the desert of sin, brothers and sisters. You and I reside in that desert. We spent, many of us, more than 40 years there, right? The cross, and, and, and Father Carl said this this morning, and, and I've never heard it said exactly like this, and, and a bell just went off. Um, the cross was an evil place. The cross was an evil place. But our God was not afraid to put himself into the midst of that evil reality. And in being there, he made it new. He made it new. I love that. I love that image, brothers and sisters, because our God is not afraid of whatever evil we are in the midst of, whatever evil we carry as a community, as a people, as a, as a nation, as a world, or individually, because we all carry him. We all do. And our God is not afraid to be involved in the midst of that. How good is that? So again, let's go back to this. I'm, I'm tan creating tangents all over the place here. Why is looking at it important? Again, don't know the answer fully to that. But here's what I would say. You know, our Protestant brothers and sisters, our evangelical brothers and sisters, when they wear a cross around their neck, it does not have the corpus. It does not have the body on it. And you know what? That carries half the truth, but it doesn't carry the full truth. When we Catholics wear a cross around our neck, it has the corpus on it. And do you know what? That's, I think, where this feast day points. Because we get to look at the cross and see what love looks like. Now, let me spin this out. Let me spin this out. All right? Now, I'm going to use Father Richard Rohr's words here, but I believe them to be true. But I just want to credit him for them. And, he, and again, people smarter than me know this stuff. I, 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 I think I've got it right. But for roughly the first thousand years, the theology, the understanding was that Jesus had to die on the cross because the devil needed uh, that... Um, uh, that situation, that recompense, whatever it is, but it was uh, to, to pay off whatever that debt was owed. That changed roughly uh, early, what, 11th or 12th century with Anselm of Canterbury, when Anselm, Bishop Anselm, uh, came about with the atonement theory. And with that idea, it was God. It was God's justice uh, needed that, that to be paid off for that legal entity, that legal document uh, to be to be uh, paid in full. And and what Rohr says is, you know what? Again, those were were signposts along the way, and they were moving us in a direction. But he said, I don't think either are true. I don't think God needed Jesus to die. He says, I don't think the devil 
you know, is getting any payment or anything here. What, what voice does he have in this? But he says, you know who needed that? We did. We did. We need to see how much you love us, God. Okay, you say you love us? That's fine. Those are words. Those are words. I need to see what love looks like. Okay, you came down? That's good. You were born. Okay, so was I. That's pretty cool. That's really good. You didn't stay distant. You, 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 you gained a foothold to trust, but I need to see more. Okay, the way you lived? All right, I appreciate that. Um, and, and you're gaining more. I'm willing to put my foot and, and maybe even my leg in the water. But brothers and sisters, the act that says there is no end to where God won't go to show his love, even to the point of dying, to say, I love you from the cross. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing in all our ways of, of treating one another and, and judging one another and killing one another with our words or our actions or our inactions, all these things that we do, but that he loves us in the midst of it. And brothers and sisters, when's the last time we simply gazed on a cross and said, that's what love looks like? Because it is. And that's, I think, how this feast day, what it points us to, is the triumph of love. That there is no end, not staying distant from us, not just living among us as one of us, but showing us what that love, what God really is. And then, even going to the ends of the cross, that there is no end, God would not go, even to very death itself, even into that very evil. And by being there, it is no longer hell, as, as Augustine would say, right? By the very act. Isn't this Benedict, Pope Benedict, who pointed that out? By the very act of Jesus going into hell, it is no longer hell. Because it couldn't be. Because it, it contains now the presence of God. And the cross, this evil act, by containing the presence of God, by holding the presence of God, no longer is that evil. But it has been overcome by the love of God. And if we didn't get it there on Good Friday... We get it right three days later when, when even death itself can't hold Christ, when God raises Christ from the dead and says, you know what, I'm going to roll this stone away, not so Jesus can get out, but so you and I can look in and see that's what death is. It is empty. It is nothingness. It is nothing because I've overcome it. The triumph of the cross, brothers and sisters, and the triumph of love. And here's my point that I've been trying to get to for the last 10 minutes, and finally I'm going to. If we look on it, we are healed. Just as, as the people in the desert of sin looked upon that seraph serpent on the staff and were healed from their bite, we need to look on the cross and just gaze on it. Just look at it and be overcome with what love looks like. That sacrificial love. God didn't need that blood. We needed it. We needed it to see how far are you in. And he spread his arms out this far and said, I love you this much. That's how far I'm in. And, and I'm willing to die for that. And, uh, and that love, brothers and sisters, I even want to use Jesus' words here. 
And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Brothers and sisters, if that belief is merely a head knowledge, it means nothing. It means nothing. I'm going to quote the book of James. Ah, I love James for many reasons. But the book of James, where he, the author, James, is writing to the people and he says, you believe in God, you do well. But even the demons believe and tremble. Meaning, we can say we believe in God. Heck, even the demons say they believe in God. But it doesn't change who they are. It doesn't change their actions. If our belief is to be real, it needs to change us from the inside out. And we are changed people that go out and live that message of love that gazing upon the cross does. That's the belief Jesus is looking for here. That everyone who looks and believes may have eternal life. Why? Because we have eternal life because we see who and what God is and we're changed from the inside out and we go out and we live that belief. We go out and live that. Now we do it imperfectly. Brothers and sisters, you and I live in this desert of sin. I've wandered there for 56 years. I don't see the exit. But here's what I know. In God, in this Holy Spirit of our brother Christ coming into you and into me, he resides with us. And he's not afraid of what's going on within me. And he's not afraid of what's going on within you. He's not afraid of the situations you are in. And he's not afraid of the situations I'm in. Whatever we have, whatever we, we are experiencing now in life, our God is bigger and he's triumphed and he can and will continue to triumph. Today is a reminder not only of what love looks like, but the victory of love and life over death. It is. It's how Peter can write in, uh, in um, was it 2 Corinthians, I believe. No, don't quote me. I wasn't prepared for this. But he says, death, where's your sting? You know, it's been swallowed up in the victory of Christ. Where's, where's, the, where's the sting? Where's the, the victory of the grave? It's nowhere. It's swallowed up here on the cross because the love is stronger. So much more to talk about here. I mean, goodness sakes. You know, I mean, for God so loved the world. I'm just going to read these last two. I could talk about them forever, but I've already gone long enough. I'm just going to read the last two. In, in light of what I've just talked about, listen to these last two verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him, remember, not just head knowledge, who believes in him might not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him. It might find hope. It might find his presence in the midst of the shit that's going on in our life. That he is present in the very depth and essence and that there is no height nor depth nor length or breadth of our sin, of our experiences that God cannot and will not overcome. Because he's bigger. He's bigger than what is happening. Honestly, this is like Easter six months later. This feast day is so good. Let's take time, you and I today, to simply gaze 
on a cross and remember what love looks like. Let's pray. We continue uh, uh, through our sorrowful mysteries, I think appropriately enough, uh, in, uh, in this feast. And so we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The second sorrowful mystery, the scourging at the pillar. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, bless you. Have a wonderful Tuesday. And thanks for being along to break open God's wonderful word today. And uh, may the experience, the life, the love uh, that was there on the cross be yours today. God's peace.